welcome to boat welcome to bonehead weekly we've got mick strong on the show oh, and we were just talking about porn and porn music and his new porn stash <laughs> i don't know if i'd ever want to now, a now wait a minute in Indianapolis. in in defense of my porn stash it's not really uh, a porn stash. It, it, it well you notice that the beard is gone yeah i was yes i don't beard the beard got wiped out by a virus no by a uh uh what's the other one uh a rat infection bacteria yeah. no it's a uh it's a fungus a fungus took over it took over my face under that i didn't know this that you can have a beard and when they get really thick if you have a really thick beard yeah. occasionally they're susceptible to funguses and the Ugh. fungus is horrendous so i i kept feeling my beard going wow this feels this is start, it's starting to feel like feel really weird and puffy underneath my beard and i shaved my beard off and my face was just one big welt from one end to the other i had to go to i had to go to the doctor go ah, 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 ah. Doctor uh, said, yeah here thank god puberty and and bad <laughs> dna has prevented me from growing any hair oh yeah, now like now i'll just share that with my wife because she never she says i'm not allowed to do it so now i'll be like i guess you're right well my beard gets really really dense you know yeah. and uh yeah it wasn't good let's let's put it that way are you In gonna fact, grow it just, back oh it's a, I, i've already started to grow it back the problem is is it's white so you you can hardly even tell that it's growing back until all of a sudden it's you know like uh, an inch long and then you go hey look all of a sudden Mick got a beard yeah I'm sorry oh, there's a penis joke that. there yeah it, there there's actually seven penis jokes that were hidden in that explanation <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm going gray too I know it sucks but you were talking about you've got a new movie and you're going to be you won't be at Scarefest this year because you're going to be editing it in I, the- I I well, we'll be just finishing. We'll, we'll just be uh, finishing up um, principal photography, and I think that we're uh, gonna uh, be doing some of the uh, special effects insert st- shots and stuff. And uh, I, I, I'm directing uh, with a, a friend of mine, Jeremy Brown. Mm-hmm. Uh, we actually co-directed uh, um, *The Vengeance*. Yeah, and so we got together and we have another f- film that we put together that is not a fan film yeah uh, it's a it's basically it's a it, it's kind of a twist on the show alone uh-huh uh only only with a wendigo okay so basically it, it's it's alone and uh and we're following one of the contestants on, on an alone on an alone type game called solitude uh-huh. and uh and uh she uh, happens to run afoul of the local Wendigo. Oh. And uh, and hilarity ensues. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's exciting. So did you guys ride it together, you say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I and by right, I, you know, uh, said, yeah, no, let's uh, let's find somebody to write this. Yeah, yeah, I know. I was about to say, you said it because you and I have talked about a couple of things before, and I always imagine of no, 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 you you just do this, 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 and this. Well, no, go type yeah, exactly, that shit. exactly. Go yeah, type yeah, that shit. yeah, yeah, no, hey, look, I you know, I'm only writing one book in my life, that's it. I'm not, I'm not, not doing that again, but I will <laughs> at any point go, hey, no, we should do this, this, this. Oh, yeah, oh, I thought you were going to do another book. Yeah, I thought a book was coming. I, 
I am, I actually am, I'm working on the, the only, the problem, the problem one, the problem in the next book that I want to do, I want, everybody wants me to do a book about Nightmare on Elm Street 3. Yeah. But I've come to this conclusion. The problem, the difference between Nightmare on Elm Street 3 and Nightmare on Elm Street 4 is Nightmare on Elm Street 4 was, uh, was very different. Uh, and it was, it was very, positive nightmare on street three was just a fucking mess from the from the beginning to the end it was just a nightmare chuck russell was the worst human being ever in fact i just worked with um roy wagner who was the dp on it and we sat around and 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 telling uh 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 uh, chuck russell uh is a dick storage i've got a pitch for you Mick. Now, hear me out on this. I think I think you need to do the behind-the-scenes book, but hear me out. You do a one-page start where you say it was a terrible experience, blah, blah, blah. And then you get some an illustrator to do like drawings of behind-the-scenes ca- catastrophes, whatever went wrong, what? but make it a coloring book. <laughs> uh, you'll write the first behind-the-scenes coloring book. Coloring book. That is hilarious. With disaster. So, like, you that, know, I don't care if it was just there was no coffee. So you've got a thing of angry that, people that standing is, in line waiting for coffee. That is, you've that got, is, and, 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 you know, the good, and the thing is, is I would get really good at, at you know, uh, pictures of ambulances and shit like that. Yeah, that's what I mean. Just whatever went wrong, you just have somebody draw it. You do the introduction. You, get a, you do you the get introduction. Of, uh, <laughs> Put that on Amazon for fourteen ninety nine, and people that will is, buy it because it's the first behind the scenes coloring book where you will actually have illustrations of everything that went wrong behind the scenes. I have to tell you something funny. I, I res- I uh, was at a uh, a con. Yeah. Um, the Corvette Corvette con, right in, in Bowling Green. In Bowling Green. Yep. And I mess I met a guy by the name of Preston Polling. And uh Preston Polling makes uh miniatures of uh of, of sets. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh but I I, I kind of walked past this thing and I was like, it was like it was interesting because they were taken more from his view of looking at the films than they were of what the sets were really about. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I just happened to say, you know, you ought to do what the stage of nightmare on Elm street four was like because of how complicated all the sets were. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and almost immediately I got sucked into a film and, and it was like we couldn't get back together for probably four months, right? Yeah. And finally, finally, I, finally, I got a hold of him, and I drove back out to the to the mountains above Bowling Green, where he has a, a huge shop that he builds these miniatures in. And we sit, we spent the day, at, at, and I was showing him how each set worked, because all the sets that were in Nightmare on Elm Street four also doubled as complete special effects right mm-hmm. so yeah he he went nuts about that so he's got he's got a whole bunch of like uh like like he's doing the tunnel uh 
the tunnel with you know them trying to spilling out into the church yeah, yeah. Uh, he's got he's doing the uh the the cockroach the whole the whole entire cockroach sequence laying it out like like we had it all laid out you know so uh so that so th the great thing about it is that if you start in one side and you're you're freddy looking in a box and if you go all the way to the other end of it which is through the attic and into the oversized uh uh cockroach then there's the rear screen projection with the projector that is projecting the very first thing that you saw on which is freddy's eye looking you know inside of the oversized uh cockroach thing yeah. so we kind of we kind of laid it out the way that they were laid out you know um so we, which should be a really interesting model i should probably only take him the next two or three years of his life <laughs> well i don't mean to change the subject but i have a quick question because honestly we've not you and i or i don't think the three, four of us have ever talked a lot about nightmare three and mm -hmm. you do talk a lot more about four and we've talked more about it just dealing with Randy harlan and you haven't actually told me a lot of good Chuck Russell stories. And the reason why I want to ask a little bit about this is because, and I know you get asked, and I, we try never to ask you a nightmare question because I know everybody else does that. And we brought you, and you're on here to talk about something completely different. But why I've got, oh, he's drinking. While I've got you, <laughs> a lot of people love Nightmare 3. I know. That's their favorite of the sequels. You know that that's the most popular, probably, sequel. I mean, I know 4 was the most successful, but a lot of people love 3. Some people say it's better. Oh, no, more. By the way, I mean, more people love 3 than 4, than than any other one of the nightmares, right? Uh -huh. mm -hmm. um, and, and if I were a wise man, and Lord knows nobody has ever accused me of that, if I were a wise man, I would lean towards telling stories and stuff about that the only thing is is uh it just wasn't a, an enjoyable experience what, is it, it was what, just a shitty experience right right and i'm not trying to dig up bones what it what I, where my question's going with this is because the movie is good i always think that there's some uneven parts in it actually but the movie is pretty pretty good for a sequel it's got a pretty good story what made it work if it was such a clusterfuck behind the scenes oh well you know the funny thing is other than they had an academy award I, nominating I, writer named frank darabont on it at one yeah but but you know the thing is is nikki marvin actually nikki marvin and rachel Talley are the two that actually got that film made you know uh -huh. uh, right here's a, here's the thing the thing is is that uh good movies good, good movies uh, uh, how good a movie is doesn't have a lot to do with the experience Agreed. behind it um and and i have to say there are there are people and 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 statistically if i had to if i really had to like sit down and statistically look at it i would say that the, <laughs> and and i had a producer say this to me once he says you know have you ever noticed how um, the worst experience you have on the film, the better the film is in the end? Have we and heard that more than once? I don't want to. I don't want to say that. I because this is my living. This is what I do all the time, and I don't want to have to say that. But 
I can't deny the I cannot deny the truth of the of the matter that the more of a down low dirty shit fight, you know, uh, uh, political uh, as well as uh, you know, uh, just just asinine group of people you put together, the worst of the worst, um, it, it usually makes a, a better film. <laughs> I, I, and I, I don't want to say that because this is my living. This is what I do. I'm just, you're not the first person. A lot, that is an old cliche and it's been spoken about on tons of behind the scenes stuff throughout a hundred years of filmmaking. I'm the worst. Oh, we had a joyous time. No one went to the theater to see it, but we had but a really we, good time. Wait, wait, wait. It. You know for a fact that I don't ever look at any behind the scenes anything, right? I get so, it. So I'm just telling you, I am just telling you from the point of view of my experience and what I have heard from actual producers and, and people on the film that yes, that's the fucking way that it is. Why you know? is it? Is it because so many arguments and ideas that the best one sometimes wins out accidentally just because it's such a dirty, rotten mess? Well, you know what? I, I, I mean, to a certain extent, I, I don't want to define it because it'll become what it is. But, you know, uh, passion, fighting passion makes more passion. I, that's what I was. That's what I was wondering because you know you worked on a movie that people b are beloved, and you would kill the director of Blade. Oh yeah. Oh fuck yeah. I mean, look, Blade. How about how about Mortal Kombat? Until I brought the battle in in Mortal Kombat, which was me against all of them, to say, mm -hmm. look, if you want to make this a good film, you have to sit down and you have to make a two month reshoot. Yeah. <laughs> you know and and. And the political uh, battles involved in doing that, and yet that is the part of the film that you know everybody uh, loves, right? My son's uh, favorite part, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and the thing is, is I I had to fight, I had to fight tooth and nail for that. It wasn't even my project. I didn't even really care that much. But I I'm just saying, if you want to get from x to y and this then i'm going to be then i'm going to tell you why <laughs> well yeah it's funny you mentioned that though because i read an interview today about the entire politics and all that stuff with uh robert Downey jr and oh, it's right, getting yeah. it's getting great clickbait titles of you know robert Downey jr slams marvel comics but it's not what he actually said what he mm -hmm. said was in his opinion the two most important movies he's done in the last 15 years was the Shaggy Dog and Doolittle. And he says the Shaggy Dog, because that's when Disney finally said, okay, we'll insure you again. Right. <laughs> well, he got, yeah, he got insurance that. back. Right. And then Doolittle, he said, and that's when I learned that, you know, my ego is not going to save me. Right, right. And, and well, he said, credit to, I guess, Susan Downey, his, his wife yeah. was one of the producers. And he right. said, what you saw that worked at all she took reels and reels of film and cobbled together a story that made some sense. I, I got to tell you something there. It is, it is a surprise that, uh, that Robert Downey Jr.'s old man didn't snort up so much Coke that there was any left for him. Yeah. I've, I've heard that. I've heard that. I've, yeah. Yeah. I mean, because honestly, my sister, my sister brought me onto a couple of Downey's 
early film, uh, you know, uh, into New York and, and where his old man was a director. Yeah. And, and <laughs> I, I sorry, I, I was looking around going, wow, really? You guys just like sit around and just fucking blast each other like all the time. Sign me up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if you get a chance to watch the documentary he made about his his dad, it's called Senior. I think it's on Netflix. Yeah, and and I'm pretty sure that that even if that was warts and all, it was nothing like the stuff that I heard about. So, <laughs> absolutely, yeah. Chad. Yeah. You, sorry, you had a question. No, I just want to backtrack to Mortal Kombat. Uh, I gotta disagree with Mick. That's not the most memorable scene, especially for a 15 year old me who uh, is going through puberty. It's a technically Bridget Wilson. Uh, doing the head the handstand and snapping Kano's neck and you ooh sexy. That's just how Chab wants to go out. Oh, yeah. there you there. When he gets nothing, seared nothing, fungus, nineteen ninety five, nothing was hotter than Bridget Wilson. Well, there you go. <laughs> oh, well, I, I think you're watching. Yeah. I, you're watching it for a different reason than my That's, son. Watched. I was going to say. Then she then she I had to go you. marry a tennis player. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. What we had you on the show was is that was to talk about Bridget Wilson. (laughs) Was that we had Todd Farmer on a few weeks ago, and you, I said in the first five minutes, Mick is going to see this and go, oh, or hear this and go, holy shit, Todd Farmer will not outdo me. I will be back on Bonehead, which we knew and we were excited about. I knew that would be the motivation. First thing is, Todd, I love you, but screw you. (laughs) (laughs) Don't, don't, don't assume he's listening. Yeah. I don't think there would. Uh, the, the, <laughs> thing, the, the thing is, is, is for one thing, he's a member of a guild. Yep. And this, this guild, is what Mick called me up to yell at me about. <laughs> I said, "Hey, that's a guild, and a guild." Here's the thing: in a guild, they're all talking to each other. Uh huh. Right. So a guild is a, is more of has a more of a. a, a positive feel to it i mean they're they're working together to sell a product to a producer right and most of the rules that that are ascribed to a guild are built by the guild itself Mm -hmm. so and and by the members itself the thing is is a union is a group of representatives that sit between you and who you're working for, right? And in the case of IATSE, uh, who you're working, the thing is, is that both both sides of IATSE were represented by criminal groups. And it is it has never changed. IATSE is still a criminal enterprise, and uh and and the other people are producers. So uh, but but the thing is is IOTSI will come in. IOTSI is like it wants to dress up as a guild, uh, but the only thing that it has going for it is, is is sort of a keep everybody out sort of feeling to it. You know what I'm saying? Well, so, hold on. Let's pause you real quick so that our audience understands what IOTSI is. Do you remember what exactly it stands behind? What it stands for? Uh, IOTSI is the international. Allied theatrical stage, stage employees, yeah, employees, right? 
I thought I thought it was just a fun dice game. And Muvin, and by the way, I had to I had to make I wanted to make sure you had it because I had to look it up and make sure too. And it's moving picture technicians, artists, and allied crafts in the United States, its territories, and Canada, and was founded in 1893. Sorry, say say, say say territories again, Joe. Now, territories. Real quick <laughs> before you said territories. Territories. I'm sorry. <laughs> this, this is Barbara Walters, and this is 2020. It is Barbara Walters. At, Actually, it has a prehistory too, because it started originally as a theatrical protective union. Not to say that it's any more, you know, that it sounds a little bit more like what Mick was talking about, that it might have had some criminal connection, you know, protection. And we, uh, but we didn't mean to stop you on that. We just wanted to make sure that the audience knew what that was. Because the thing I, is, I had to Google it, it taken, to know exactly it, what it stood for. It was taken over by the mob in the 30s, uh, Bugsy Siegel. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, put it actually uh got the original not the original IOTSI because basically IOTSI goes back to theater days but but Bugsy Siegel took it over and made it more of a criminal enterprise and mm -hmm. and the thing is is it has blatantly stayed that way since since then right right um, yeah. basically it's it, it is an an entity that kind of takes money from both sides. It 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 uh, it it says a lot. It does nothing. Um, it 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 has a pretty good uh, insurance uh, mm -hmm. set up for its people, but it charges a fortune for that. Um, and it's six thousand dollars to get in. It's uh, six hundred a year uh, in dues. Plus, uh, you have to have a certain amount of numbers in for every year, and and to tell you the and the thing is is uh, as soon as you go on Cobra, you're going to pay like eleven hundred dollars a month, uh, and, and Cobra is because you didn't get your hundred dollars in a year. So that by itself, right there, uh, it just it mm -hmm. it's elitist. Um, I. I was invited into it many times, but you know, I, I have to tell you the truth. <laughs> My problem was that uh, the people that I worked for didn't do, never did um, union shows. So, so, or if they did a union show, they would do a union show. That crew would then go on and do some other union thing. But I was the captain of all that. I was the production designer and, and they offered me, to come in as an assistant drafts person, mm -hmm. Hmm. which, you know, to start at the beginning of the union chain. And I'm like, well, yeah, but you know, guys, I hadn't even heard of you until I'd been in business for 10 years. So <laughs> what well, was about to say, and, and this is fascinating to me because I love organized crime. I've never been invited to any, I don't know what that says about me, but well, it means that you have no money or power or, yeah, or talent or thing that thing anything that would make the value. Money. <laughs> but having tried to prep for this conversation, I was looking up Odyssey, uh, and and you're not, I mean, kidding. Siegel aside, in 1934, there was an election where only one person was allowed to run. And no, that was no, you, you, I'm not kidding about this. This is a criminal enterprise, and the thing is, is it has never changed its way of dealing with things. It what is still a criminal enterprise. Yeah, George Brown was elected in 1934 after he was the only one that ran and right. immediately 
Willie Bob Chicago, a known Chicago gangster, was named his personal representative. Exactly. That needs to be a movie in and of itself. How oh. fascinating is that? That is well, amazing. If, if you go back and you listen to the the Bugsy Siegel story, right? You know, uh, it has a lot of those. Uh, a lot of the edges of the Union story are 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 in there. Although the thing is, is they're. Uh, how can I say they're uh, they're cleaned up and they're they're polished up a little bit? Polished. The thing turds. is, yes, yeah. The thing is, is it it's it's a mean mean town, and it's uh, it you can buy. I, I have so many. There's so many shows that they that they the unions would come in and literally say, "Well, you can't release that unless you have our seal on it. We won't let you get into the theaters." And so without making a deal with the people at all that were involved in that film, a non-union film, they would go in and, and, and charge the film uh, 500,000 to, uh, to get the IOTC seal. Mm -hmm. And that just goes to the union. <laughs> that doesn't go to any union member, you know? I mean, there are so many cases of that. Uh, there are so many cases of today uh, that IOTC coming in and buying a show uh, and the show that I was just on, Pig Hill, right? Yeah. Uh, it got in a couple of uh, moles uh, in the electrical department, and and they did they did the, a classic union uh, play. They uh, they come in and they they grab the the grip and electric are the most susceptible because of uh, because there are smaller brains involved. Um, <laughs> and so they take the grip and electric. Are you saying they, people they, who put grip tape down aren't don't 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 need to have a huge cranium? Actually, people who put the grip grip tape down for the most part are the camera people, and they have more because the but but the thing is, is the grip is the guy that hands them the tape. So, <laughs> <laughs> right. So anyway, the thing is, is those people are then. Um, uh, are then susceptible to this because they want they want to be in the union. So the union came in and and the thing is is let me let me tell you where this this film got its funding is uh, a, a group of uh, people, uh, some of, uh, of uh, business people in the town of Meadville got together half a million dollars and they wanted to make a film, right? Mm -hmm. They wanted to because there was a local author author, that had uh, written a book called Pig, mm -hmm. and so this was going to like be a, a tourist uh, point for the town. Yeah, they got all these local people together. They got five hundred thousand dollars to put together a film. So they start to do it. So this is five hundred thousand uh, dollars that are put together by by you know local people, and so the union worms its way in through the gaffer um, and and the gaffer starts to work on the crew and they at to work on the to work on the film and and there's an insidious thing that they do is they come in and they and and believe me i've seen this many many times they yeah. come in and they they try and get you to they try and say well we need more equipment and then when you when you get them more equipment and and the problem with that is that especially these days, nobody knows what the equipment is, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, unless unless you're a nerd or, or a nerd geek or a camera nerd geek, 
camera nerd. You're not a camera nerd. No, nerd. no, no. I'm just, I'm just a normal geek so nerd. The three boneheads are not nerdy and anything helpful. So no, they, no. so they order more equipment, and then they say, "Well, we're going to need more people for all the equipment that we've got." <laughs> and 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 it turns out that when they start out the film, they're starting out two grips and two electricians. By the time they get two weeks in, they're running five grips and five electricians to operate the three moon boxes that they need for the location. By the way, uh, I don't know what planet they thought that they were on, but you know, you usually can only use one moon box, and you know why? Why? Because we why? only have one fucking moon. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I'm not kidding. When I, 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 I said. I looked through, I literally looked through the invoices like two days before they struck. And I said, you realize that you guys have, you that you, you production have given those bozos three moon boxes out there, right? And they're like, well, yeah, why is that a problem? I go, how many moons do you see up in the sky right now? Well, there was that one guy that said three, but he had issues. Yeah, issues. <laughs> well, anyway, the thing is, is, the reason the reason that they get all this equipment and that they get all these people is that they can then they then get a certain percentage for turning everybody into the into the union because then you've done you've done so many hours on a on a show you've already done a, enough hours on a show and you and your name is in the the role when they turn the show mm -hmm. but the thing is, is they don't have a distributor. They don't have anything. I mean, they literally only five have five hundred thousand, and it's they're trying to make the film for that, right? Right. So it's not like these people had deep pockets. And so, in all honesty, uh, there was, and it happened at two weeks, the way that it always does, because what you want to do is you want to get yourself, you want to get yourself uh, so far into the show that they don't want to lose you. So that they'll pay uh, a quarter to a half a million to have you stay on for the rest of the show, mm -hmm. and uh, and they got up there and they made wow working conditions are so bad and blah 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 we're gonna have to strike, you know. And then I went, uh, it was everybody was being really civil, and then I decided that I didn't want to be civil, <laughs> so, <laughs> so I went after the DP and I told him that he was a fucking pussy. <laughs> out in the middle of everybody out there and um and uh evidently and, and so then they sent me a card you know that maybe i wanted to get in the, in the union and i sent it back saying dear jeff such and such um please 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 go fuck fuck yourself love mick Strawn. and evidently that is posted in several places uh in um, uh, bulletin boards uh, and uh, you know chat, yeah, yeah, yeah. interunion chat in the uh, in the New York and uh, the Atlanta area. So there, I've got that going for me. <laughs> well, but you brought up something really. So the the difference between a guild and a union in actuality, because I right. I was. Did you look that up too? No, I didn't. But well, you shut up, Jesus Christ! Somebody well, didn't do. I technically. You want me was, to look it up for you? <laughs> I was technically part of a union myself briefly. Not not any of the cool unions. Right. I, like I worked at a grocery store. 
and it oh, was right. a unionized shop. And yeah. it was it was always so funny to me because people had very sincere opinions. And what you're talking about puts it in perspective. But people would always say, well, if we weren't union or we need to be union because and for me, all it meant was anytime they asked me to do anything that wasn't in my job description that I was hired to do. I got a quarter an hour bonus. So like I was originally hired to be a cashier. And then they were like, oh, we need somebody to stock food. And I was like, I'll do it. And literally it was like I, it was like I had magic. All of a sudden, within like a day, a union rep showed up going, you're getting a quarter extra an hour for doing that, right? And I said, I, I don't know. Uh, I'll, we'll make sure you do. <laughs> okay. I I don't know, just, man. I just, I'm here to do a job. I'm trying to pay for college. Which which is fine. But trust me, nobody uh, nobody from the uh, IOTC is going to show up on set and go, well, yeah, Miss, did, you get, did you get your 75 cents uh, an yeah, hour? Yeah, well, that's what I mean. I, and by the way, my entire thing, what I was thinking is, I was like, that's cool on that level that I, right, I got right. a quarter, an extra See, an hour. Here's the thing. I, look, I'm a liberal through and through. I love unions. I love the concept of unions. I don't think that we have gone, would have gotten as far as we have today uh, yeah. it, it, without them. I'm talking about specifically IOTC as a criminal enterprise. <laughs> well, no, but, but I also have that voice in the back of my head as well that, that guy didn't show up to get me a quarter for nothing, right? Like oh, somebody, oh, yeah, absolutely. And, somebody, and, and, there was somebody. He was getting paid to now, admittedly, to to help me, but right, yeah. But 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 let me tell you something. It's it's not like the amount of money Iotsi gets in, as being the middleman. See, the thing yeah. is, is Iotsi, Iotsi is a middleman. Is makes bank. I mean, big bank, and there are so many shows that that. Their only representation on the show is to come in and get five hundred thousand dollars so that we don't destroy you, right? Yep. Which, which I think is criminal. I mean, I I think that a group of people up in Meadville, Pennsylvania, should be able to go out and and hire a bunch of people and make a motion picture without the union having to come up and get involved. By the way, I might also add this: is when they decided that they were going to strike, they all got fired. And the thing is, is immediately the union sent out these warnings that we're going to come, we're going to come and shut you down. But here's the thing. The nearest union shop is was in Pittsburgh, right? Mm -hmm. And Pittsburgh was an hour and a half away. I figured that I know how lazy union people are in general, <laughs> that nobody was going to drive an hour and a half out of their way to come over and make a difference, uh, especially considering that I would have been stand I was standing there with all kinds of mace canisters canisters to take care of them but the thing is is they never showed up because it's an hour and a half out of their way well, well but go ahead, go ahead 30 Jim. minutes 30 minutes in they take a break <laughs> I kind of want to get a little context around this so what were you doing on this movie were you the I was the production designer you're the production designer and how did you meet these folks did it was it through other um oddly enough it was through um it, it was through uh, four or five different channels at once. Yeah, that's <laughs> but, how it goes. Uh, but uh, R.A. Haloff, um, yeah. who's I've known, you know. 30 since, years? Yeah, 30, 40 years. Yeah. And uh, and he said, you know, this is this is the man that, that, that you want. And, uh, and they hired me early to come in and not only help put the sets together, but to kind of help with some of the writing and some of the con some uh, some of the other problems with script 
Yeah. So that's cool. And then you get to show up and get money. And then you somehow become embroiled in a union dispute. Only <laughs> fucking you. Well, no, this it's it, it, a half a million dollar picture <laughs> in Puxatawney, Philadelphia, <laughs> in Pennsylvania. I that could, said the guy from Kentucky. Dude, to get into the biggest fight that's gone on on the East Coast in the long. Yeah, that's 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 quite true. That's that's that you know. I just wanted is, to put context around this gentleman. But, I but, apologize. That's, I, I, hey, that's a pretty common piece of context. But anyway. before, hold on. Before I go on, have you ever seen, and I can't remember now, and I should have looked this up beforehand, but it's uh, because you work so much with New Line, but Dimension as well from Miramax. This mm-hmm. happened, I think, on From Dust Till Dawn almost got shut it down. It did. Same thing. Was um, it was it Iotzi that did it to them as well? I know they Iotzi broke Iotzi broke them. The, the the funny thing is is the DP literally after I after I called him a pussy for uh for bowing to uh, union demands uh the as he was walking away he he turned to me and he goes you know Mick it's not 1989 anymore but the funny thing about it is when he said that was all of a sudden it kind of rang a bell in my head and I looked it up. The very first show that uh, that I crossed the Union line was in 1989. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I have to say, he's wrong. All right, <laughs> well, which show was it? 1989. <laughs> which show was it in 89, do you remember? Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3. For New Line. For New Line, of all things, yeah. Yeah, I, and Jeff Burke. And Jeffrey, right. I think you bring up an interesting point, though, because I mean, a five hundred thousand dollar budget to me seems large, but obviously, we know compared to I don't know a Dial of Destiny budget is nothing. It's nothing. Oh yeah, no, it's and, it, yeah. And so, pressure on a production like that, it does seem like it would stifle independent cinema. Now, don't get me wrong; the few movies that I did where Joe was directing, had I known I could have appealed to a union, I would have. <laughs> But it, we were real to God, it wasn't going to help you. I would say, I think we got paid in Little Caesars pizzas and boxed wine. So, you know, it was a good time. <laughs> well, you see, that's, and that's the interesting thing it, it is, uh, so where do you draw the line? And, and, and here's the thing I could understand, I think even a lot of the people in the union couldn't figure out why they were doing this, right? Uh, I think that. I think that there were a lot of people that did not do their homework because they would have known that the thing is, is if you're doing a $500,000 film like that and it had pretty good stars and it had, you know, it had, it had people in it, right? Um, you would figure that it would be good enough that it would have a, a distribution, mm-hmm. but it didn't. And I mean, I don't necessarily know why that is. I don't know why they didn't have fingers out first for distribution. Because it's the well, that's a, that's another one of those uh, old Hollywood tales, as old as time. Is that and and I'll, and you know who taught me this? It was uh, Bruce Campbell, Rob Tappert, and Sam Raimi talking about the first Evil Dead. It was like you got oh, right. to move, but the, selling the damn picture is the hard part. It is, is and, and, that, that. and that's where most 
young filmmakers and independent filmmakers break down. It's not actually getting it shot and written and all. You think that's insurmountable. Getting the damn thing out there is right. actually what, what kills you. The thing is, is that they're coming up on an interesting time. There are enough strikes and so forth going on that that they're probably not going to have any trouble selling them. Uh, they Which have enough we stars. We need to get to writing, guys. Now, well, the thing is, is I, I'm going, I'm going the other way. The film that I'm making in August, uh, we're doing for so little that that we can sell it. There, there's kind of a, a, a low baseline for Netflix that, that's in around $60,000. Mm-hmm. I mean, they'll pay $60,000 for virtually anything. Mm-hmm. And 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 we're working at about $25,000, right? So uh, that, that's the other end of that. But we did have enough. I, have to, I, I mean, I would have to look up the film to give you an idea of the people that are in it. But it, but it is actually the acting is amazing. You know, it, yeah. it, it is a level above. It's it it is at a level. Pig Hill is at a, the level of the early uh, uh, the early uh, New Line Cinema films. Okay. You know, I, I mean, it's not it's not the level of the two hundred thousand dollar films that are or the one hundred and fifty thousand yeah, yeah. dollar films that are coming out now. You know, so. Uh, I think that they won't have a problem getting a distributor and getting it lined up. Uh, direct director did um, the uh, Willie's Wonderland. Willie's Wonderland. Yeah, Willie's Wonderland. Nick Cage. Yeah, with Nick Cage. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And and he was one of the producers on that. So him being a director on this is he carries that and the cast. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a good cast with it. So I, I think that they'll, I think that, I think that they've spent their money in the right places. And I, and I think they're going to come out with a sellable product. Yeah. Good. Even though you had to tell some people to go fuck themselves and cause pucks Yeah. But you know what? I'm always telling to you. lose his union card. That, I, was say, I think that's actually what you send out instead of Christmas cards or just GFY cards. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> so, while I'm very nice you, photo of your family with them, though. Very nice. Very nice. Well done. Very nice. <laughs> hey, you like it with the blood and everything? Yeah. <laughs> while I've got you here, though, I do sure. want to ask you your opinion about some of the Writer Guild strike and the Director Guild, of course, didn't strike and struck a deal. And how long this is going to go on? Well, you know, the interesting thing about it is, is, is think, think of how weak the people in IOTSI really are. I mean, they finally, they finally won a twelve-hour day. <laughs> yeah, which most of us have right? had a twelve-hour day and a fifty-eight. I swear to God, that's week. all I could think to myself was, wow, we finally got a 12-hour day. <laughs> a 12-hour day and a 58-week work year. 50-hour, yeah, 58-hour <laughs> work week. I know. <laughs> it's it, But it is kind of fucking ridiculous when you think about it. It's Think of how difficult this is, though. Is And I'll tell you when it all, when it all went to shit was back in the 80s because back in the 80s was the first time that you got that meteoric rise in the the cost of the act of the better actors, right? Or so superstars, the star yeah, stars. Yeah, you get you get the stars going, you know, just crazy, crazy money. And here's what happens: 
what happens is the crews so so it it breaks down to like um i don't know maybe you get an actor and it, and it can break down to 500,000 a day right Mm-hmm. So if you sit down and you lay that out and go, well, we can chop you a day here off of the end. We're going to chop you back a day. We're going to give you $500,000 less and we'll, and we'll pay the overtime on the crew. We'll pay the $150,000 overtime for the crew. And, and it, and it, it becomes uh, a, a math, math problem, yeah. right? Yeah. has nothing to do with people. It's and economics. So it's economics. So, so, so then you, you work the crew, uh, 18, 19, 20 hours and you do it again and again. We didn't even used to have, we didn't even used to have, uh, hold on. I gotta... That's okay. When he comes back, we're going to ask him about, is this where the cocaine and the four footed back of the trailer came into play? <laughs> yes. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Well, you've got to stay going. I'm I'm just looking this at the. This is where we began. This is where we, we in one summer in 1986 or 87, something like that. We lost uh, three people in a month driving home off of cruise in yep. three vastly different uh, uh, film productions, right? Because you had people just doing these crazy hours. And the thing is, is it has happened ever since. You know, ever since these the. I mean, the union does these huge fights and, the, and they come down to like 15 hours is the longest day will run you, right? No, and that's that kind of stuff. And and that's where your day be, that's where your days become. It's yeah. exhausting. It really is. I mean, honestly, as a production designer, I don't work that hard. <laughs> yeah. I I make it look like I work that hard. Don't get me wrong, but I'm a production designer now. That's your and, ultimate and, special effect. That's right. There you go. There you go. Hey, you know, smoking mirrors, smoking mirrors includes me. (laughs) But that you're right. But seriously, the back of the four foot you've taught, you were the one who told us the four foot back of the trailer in the cocaine room, right? Right, right. Exactly. And, and you know, that, that is the oldest thing in Hollywood. I mean, that was, that, that was, that was how you made it through those days, you know? Well, Uh, I was watching uh, you actually you that it reminded me of your story because I was watching the Warner Brothers on Max or whatever they call it now. They did that hundred years. Right. And one of the things that they briefly mentioned in the first episode is the bugs, uh, uh, the Berkeley, the dance numbers. Um, Yeah. And they do a three second throwaway line where the expectation was that if you were a dancer, you slept on the stage. Right. Because you were expected to be there because you were the prop. Right. Exactly. Because you were a prop, right? <laughs> and it, I, I was watching and they had a couple quick scenes of like literally just the dancers laying out the, like the photos of <laughs> it's like, oh, here's a wooden stool. And by the way, there's a dancer sleeping behind it. And I was like, yeah, that's. And so it reminded me of some of your stories of they somehow started to protect the actors. Right. Yeah. But they didn't protect anybody else. And and into the middle of that, you have the most corrupt union uh, that has ever existed. Uh, it, it's and 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 if the union is fighting for your rights, well, they're not fighting very fucking hard. If they finally got twelve-hour days in twenty twenty-two, 
I it, I knew I thought it sounded ridiculous too, but when you say it, it sounds even worse. <laughs> because there's yeah. not there are three middle aged boneheads. Let me tell you right now, we're doing twelve hour days. Yeah, no, no. I, well, now, if, if I pull a twelve hour day, I know the next day I'm not doing. Uh, you'll get. You're not doing another twelve. No, I'm yeah. not doing two twelves in a row. But I've I've been thing. I've been through that and I never yeah. want to go back again. The thing so, yeah, is, is there's there's this thing that happens when you work 14 hour days is you finally wind because because in in the 80s we because of all those people that we lost uh, on the on the summer shows right yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they they decided that to put in something called a turnaround and a turnaround means that you know. Uh, and the turnaround started at eight and they moved up to 10. Uh, and then they moved up to 12. But here's the problem with a turnaround. And a turnaround is this, is that if we send you out, if we send you out, it is, it's, you got, you have to have 10 hours before you come back, right? Here's the problem with that. Problem with that is that it eats into your Sunday. Yeah. Because the math doesn't work out right, you know? Right. Uh, Ten, uh, uh, so if you worked uh, between 14 and 16 hours and you did a 10 hour turnaround, you know, eventually you, you wound up going going home at 11 o'clock in the morning Sunday from your fifth day of work or your sixth day of work. Right. Mm -hmm. So so uh, basically what happens is is, is you, you get home in, in time to uh, fire up the barbecue. Uh, go to bed and get back on the set at six in the morning. Yeah, and that's really what it's like. That's what it's like to film. And 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 for, from my point of view, uh, uh, being a, a production designer on really complicated shows is even worse for me because I'm by my own call. You know what? I I, I mean, I I just have to make it so that we actually have something there to to, to shoot. Uh, it, it it gets just really complicated. I remember going to New Zealand, which was really a strange experience because New Zealand would pull a plug on you at 10 hours. That's it. You had to go home. And I remember I had this director, this American director standing there on the set. And and I, his, his name was Bill. I can't think of his last name. Uh, but uh, he's standing on set and I'm standing with him and, and, and he's going, I'm going, yeah, you know what? You're at nine and a half hours. You, they're going to shut you down. And he goes, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I know. I know. You, look, you, 10 hours. You guys said uh, it was 10 hours, right? I said, yeah. Yeah, it's 10 hours, but it's really 10 hours. And and, it, and he goes, at, at 10 hours, everybody just dropped their equipment and just got in their cars and left. And he was like, hey, what? wait, wait, where, where are they going? <laughs> it said, well, it's 10 hours. What part of 10 hours did you not understand? And he goes, well, I know 10 hours. But 10 hours is 10 hours. I go, yeah, it's 10 hours. <laughs> but, you know, you talked about losing people, but and, and obviously injuries and, and everything like that that goes with that. And the only thing that I can come close to comparison to a 16-hour day is for two summers, I worked two full-time jobs. And the first summer I did it, I ended up in the hospital. I actually yeah. passed out in the waiting room of the emergency room. That was a good time. And I woke up and the doctor literally was looking at me and he goes, oh, good, you're awake. I had an IV in my arm. And he goes, and, you know, he said, okay, well, 
I was uh, still an undergrad at the time. He goes, you had a UK, a university ID on you, so we know you're a student. Do you know what sodium is? Yes. Do you know what potassium is? Yes. He goes, do you know you don't have enough of either? You don't have either one of those? Yeah, because I was, I was, my second job, I had to go with something that would have flexible schedule. I was pushing shopping carts in the sun all day. Oh, well, yeah. (laughs) And, And so it was, and then I would work not security because that's you know what you do and the the, the grip the grips used to uh, uh grips used to call it peruvian uh, marching powder I, I i remember that i used to have a pager and and uh one time a pager went off and my, every time my pager went off it went off 911 was what it said right and then the next thing that came up was the number but it was always 911 and the key grip leans over and he looks down at my pager and he goes 911 you know what that means right i go yeah he goes he goes yeah great price on an eight ball <laughs> as an eight ball for those of you who don't understand yeah right right, reference right. To that joke but no well and, and sadly <laughs> i get or maybe fortunately i did not have access to any of peruvian goods but uh probably <laughs> probably fortunately but really quick who was by, who, so how does the production buy illegal cocaine oh um and get away with it no no production has ever bought illegal cocaine well, yeah, it's actually isn't the Blues Brothers the famous one that was a, that it made it onto the uh, the actual. No, they they no, gave it. A, oh, I thought you were talking about Caddyshack. The, the the thing is, is this: is you would have a person who would deliver a certain amount of money, usually run through the. Uh, uh, it would be run through uh, which props uh, yeah. miscellaneous as miscellaneous because the grips would have place and. And our department would build the place, the would supply uh, the place and and access to it, and props would supply the coke. Yeah. Hey, look, you know, it, it, it's the thing is, is movies, uh, uh, everything has got its place. By the way, people talk about old Hollywood, and I love the fact that now the '80s have became their own version of old Hollywood. Like, it's you know, don't the... even, don't even start with me. <laughs> no, no, I'm not. I'm not saying, but it's it's true. I mean, if you're in 1984 thinking about the films in the '40s, and now you're in 2023, it's not two; it's the same amount. But no, but I, but I mean, I, the, tell me about it. I, mean, we, I know the, we were alive in the '80s as well, Mick. We just weren't doing. We just we we weren't allowed as much Peruvian marching band. <laughs> well, uh, but what I was gonna say Speak is for yourself. It's well, really, it's really interesting to me that's that to watch my children, who are you know uh, you obviously coke? younger than I am. No, no, not you know how much I make. They ain't doing Robert Sen- Downey Senior Thomas, but they, uh, they, like I literally, my my eldest said to me, said, "Hey, Dad, I saw this thing, and it's it all it said was the '80s are back, and it had a bunch of stuff," and I was like, "Yeah." That's because y'all are out of ideas. You kids today. And I, like, and I realized it's the same thing my father would always say, you know, why is Indiana Jones a big thing? It's because they're redoing the serials I watched as a kid. And why is, and I was like, okay, it's it's generational. It's just, oh, no, we did that. Now, now it's, oh, okay, well, we did you that. You know, the, the thing is, is Indiana Jones was, was basically taken off of the serials that were, ah, hold on. Hello. Hello. Yep. Yeah, we're here. Yeah. Are you here? You here? Hey. Can you hear me? Hold, hold on. Let me see if my 
this is us hanging out while Mick, I, I, while he's while he's gone. What yeah. other cocaine questions can we ask? <laughs> Why does cocaine come up in every episode? <laughs> Why is it? But there had to be some other drugs on set, didn't there? I mean, there had to be somebody be like, no, no, I'm not touching that stuff. But do you have any? Uh, I don't know. Crushed beetle powder. I don't know what it would do. I, I don't know what the kids do today. Can you hear us, Mick? I, I can hear you, but for some reason I can't get back in. Oh well, we can see you clear as a bell. Yeah, oh, we okay. still see you. I guess I'm fine. I don't. I. I then, this then is. I don't, know, I don't know what's happening. I can't see you guys, but this is the time though where you can't see us, where we'll start throwing random gang signs. Is that? Is, well, and it's, <laughs> hold on. And we've had you for over an hour. I didn't ask you how long you could go, so I wanted. I, I do want to make sure that we get through all of our questions and anything okay. we want to talk about. But now that you've kind of done this with them, are you saying you're not going to join this union? <laughs> <laughs> I just want uh, to make sure. Wow. I, I, I don't I even a know. conservative what... friend at work who just went off one day about unions for 25 minutes and he was talking about his uncle and working for Ford. And I swear to God, as much you aren't quite as angry with it as as because you just don't get angry not that way that he does but it a lot of stuff was similar <laughs> well let, let, let's put it this way i'm at an age right now where i'm doing really good yeah. i i i don't i don't have any problems i mean i i i i've bought my house i've got uh i bought my house i, I i've got the uh, Social Security and, and, and uh, a little bit of a pension. Uh-huh. Um, I, I'm not hurting, so I don't really give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, so I, I'm at a point in my life. I, I mean, maybe one of the main reasons that I never really kind of got with the union thing was because, I mean, I, I I'm going to be realistic about it. I never worked on films that that. Uh, I always worked on horror films, um, and I, I got into the union maybe seven times, but but none of my contacts were ever in the union, right? Yeah. So so the things that I would get offered on union film would be, um, you know, like uh, second banana drafter drafting. Uh, Mm-hmm. guy and stuff like that and and the, and the thing is is i kind of almost started my career as a production designer so it isn't you know uh it, it never really behooved me to, to get involved in the union and i think that it gave me a view from the outside of looking at it going you know th- there just seems to be a criminal element to all this i don't know how any of this is legal <laughs> Yeah, the corruption, absolutely. I completely understand. Well, <clears throat> now that we Chad, by the way, I feel like you didn't get to ask. Do you did you have anything else about the unions? Chad, you mean? No, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm Chad, here. I'm good. Chad, <laughs> Chad had a stroke about 25 minutes ago. <laughs> and nobody knows. But what I wanted to uh because I mean we've had you on here for an hour and I and I completely forgot to ask how when you had to get off, but I hadn't caught up with you in a while. He's what? got off five times during this hour. Yeah. <laughs> what? As far as I can tell, I'm off now. <laughs> well, what projects have you been working on and what you got coming up? Well, like I say, I I I, I worked on Pig Hill. I yeah. I did a I had a uh uh 
I got together with Roy Wagner, who I worked on Nightmare on Street 3, and we've been following a group of uh, kids in Virginia in uh, several different school districts uh, up and down the coast of Virginia that we, uh, we've been teaching uh, uh, at-risk kids in Zoom meetings, and uh, we spent most of June uh most of june uh shooting uh shooting the films that we had built with them uh -huh, um, cool. that was all in virginia and uh i got done with that last week and uh and i'm resting up and and in the middle of august i'm heading back uh to do the films that uh to do solitude uh which is the film that i'm shooting with jeremy brown uh the uh, he and I did vengeance together, and uh, so we're doing this uh, on a hyper low budget, and um, and then towards the end of the year, I got a couple other things that I can't remember, but uh, this has been a very busy time for me. Yeah, I want to circle back real quick because you mentioned earlier, and I chimed in with my coloring book idea, and I still say, run with that; it'll be great. People <laughs> love coloring. I now. love that idea, by the way. I really do. Yeah, no, I'm telling you, I can't draw or I'd do it for you. You could just tell me what went wrong. I'd draw it up and we'd sell it the color. I still think you're going to get the Nightmare fans. You're going to get behind the scenes fans. And even if you just sold 10 copies, it would do your heart good. That being said, <laughs> you mentioned that you did have, even though you said you weren't going to do another one, that you had thought of one. Are you ready to say what you're thinking about doing? Uh, you mean in terms of a book? Yeah, yeah. Uh. I, I I would like to do a different book about Nightmare on Street Three, but uh, it, it like I say, it's it's pretty hard to do without um, uh, direct legal representation. <laughs> it, I, I yeah, I understand that. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? I mean, um, but I I would like to get together with somebody and just kind of like do a history of my life because I've had a very interesting life. That actually is a really good idea, and I think you should do that. You should get together with a biographer and actually sit down and go from A to Z. Yeah, because you know I, I've gotten to get. I've looked at a lot of other people's resumes that are my that, and and I've kind of like sort of nailed some of some just interesting projects through my life. You know, I uh, there, there's and what really brought this to mind was uh, the passing of. Um, Jacques Haitken, uh -huh. uh, who was a good, a really good friend of mine, and, and I love Jacques. The DP of Nightmare on Elm Street, right? The DP of Nightmare on Elm Street, and and I did five films with him. But the thing is, is I, I when I looked at his res, when I looked at his resume, I realized that the vast bulk of his re resume, you wouldn't recognize anything in it. Um, and, and I thought, wow, that's that's really strange. Because I thought that everybody had all these rec all these oddly recognizable films that came sweeping back in the two thousands, right? But <laughs> but I'm one of the rare ones that does, and I go, wow, that's just so weird. <laughs> I, I I don't know why it worked that way. I mean, but it's well, it, it's it, it's so exciting, and it's it's a whole. And I'm not saying this is your third act or fourth act or whatever, but it is 
it is fantastic to be able to meet all these new people and make all these new friends and have people automatically love you and just go into how much joy just to just gush about how much joy you've brought them i i still find that that is very strange i i was i was in meadville of all things i was in meadville and i Every time I, you my, say Maidville, I want to say Mudville, and I'm yes, like, it's, and, and I am you know so what? Sorry, I am so it, sorry. I've tried. Trust me, what, trust, trust me when I say there's only about ten thousand people left in the world that would argue with you about it. So uh, <laughs> when I, I I I was in this hospital, I was in the hospital, and I was kind of the next town over. You know, it's probably uh, uh, Meadville doesn't even really have much of a hospital. So I kind of had to go, you know, I had to drive half an hour and I'm in this hospital. I'm getting my foot checked on and, and this nurse walks in and goes, uh, I, and I thought that she was my nurse and she goes, uh, hi, hey, hey, your name, uh, you're Mick Strawn, right? And I said, yeah, yeah, that's my name. And I started to spell it for her. She goes, no, I, I know how it's spelled. She goes, I, I'm, I'm a huge horror fanatic. <laughs> I was like, Huh? And she goes, yeah, no, you have worked on so many different films that I really, really appreciate. And, uh, and I just wanted to get a picture with you. And she got a picture with me and, and, and took off and went back around about her rounds. And I thought, wow, that's just strange. You know, that it is a weird thing. You know, I, I am, I am, I've spent most of my life, you know, kind of fixing things in the background and, uh, and I'm one of those rare people that can do that and still has enough of a personality to get up and talk about it. And, and I really um, am very thankful for that. You know, I'm thankful for the ability that I have to, to say, man, we had a great time and I got to tell you what it was like. You know what, Mick, and what another great thing about you is you actually remember some of it. I do. Yeah. I, there's an awful lot of people that are my age that don't remember a thing. Well, or and that's so we we were we went to a a uh, convention recently that had some behind the scenes people talking about doing things, and I mean it was we we attended a couple of them and they we were attended as just guests. That as was just the guests. first time that I had I had I had to pay admission and got pissed. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but it was you you carry forth personality, and, and yeah. I'm not I'm not bad mouthing yeah. anyone. No, but it was uh, it was a lot of this is how we did this, and you'll see here, and if you watch, you'll see this, and and that's good, and I had a, it was fascinating, but at the same time I was like, man, I just want you to all of a sudden crack a joke. Like just, this is this is this is what I don't get is these are these are the best stories in the world. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh yeah, these stories could be told in India and Sweden, and and the and the thing is is. If you have just a modicum of like storytelling ability, uh, you should be able to like go uh, forever with these stories, right? Yeah. But but the people that were involved in the real real background, the people that were involved are the people that were involved. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. They weren't. We've said that on here a thousand times. We love talking to people who are in production. And it's I would rather do a blue collar po movie podcast than anything. Yeah, it's just because a lot of times actors and actresses are in trailers. Well, but, but, but you also brought up a second ago, 
that you you made these friendships over the year, these connections with people that were DPs and that were, and it. I was reading today because the producer, writer, etc. Manny Cotto passed away, and I guess Brian Helgland was Manny really, Cotto passed away. He passed away yesterday. Today. Passed away he, yesterday at sixty-two. Wow, you know that I worked with him on um, Warrior of Waverly Street. No, honestly, I it it literally knocked me down when I found out because he he did the fourth season of Enterprise and turned it yeah, around before yeah. they canceled it. And yeah. I loved I loved Manny Cotto. I loved reading about him, and I didn't know him and Brian Helgen was clo- were close. But Brian Helgen, I guess they came up together, and he said, and he posted this great photo of of him and Manny Cotto. He said when action movies started to be how people made money and nobody wanted to see their little science fiction stories anymore. He said, we, we said, well, what will sell? We need to get science fiction back in action films. And they pitched an idea called uh, TikTok, and it was a guy that was going to explode as an action film. And he said they wrote the script on the phone with one another, and they made they bought clocks, cheap clocks, painted them red, and put like a lightning bolt across them. And that's what the photo is, them holding up these clocks. But they sent those out with the script. And they said they got a million dollars for the script on that. <laughs> they were oh brave enough to send clocks. And they said that was a million dollar script. So that movie never got made, but we oh made a million dollars. And he was sharing that story. And he said, but I shared that story to say, I wouldn't be who I am without, he said, we met because we were in a writing, you know, we were both represented by the same agent at one point. And they said, oh, you should meet. And he said, and it wasn't that our agent, it was that we actually started to get along and I realized this guy's funny and I need a break from the chaos that's around me. Yeah. And well, so, I, and that's, uh, you, your story made me think about that, that you surround yourself with people that connect you to things or lift you up. And that's, I think that's one of the reasons your stories are so great is because we can go, Oh, well that connects. It all connects. You, uh, I'll tell you a, a, a Manny Cotto story right now. We were, Please. um, Oh yeah, we'd love to hear this. We were we were working on, and I think it came out. Let's see. Let, let me look this up real quick. Um, Warrior of Waverly Street came out as Starkid. Warrior of Waverly Street, Starkid came out. That as was Starkid. that was the original name for Starkid. Warrior of Waverly? Warrior of Waverly Street. Came out of Star Kid. That was directed by Manny Cotto. Manny Cotto. Okay. I didn't know he directed. I just always remember him from being the writer of Dr. Giggles. Sorry. He okay, also well, directed Dr. Giggles, Joe. Oh, well, there you go. So, yeah. so there there was a there was a point. <laughs> uh we were having a lot of trouble with the uh with the, the ship itself because the ship itself is actually a character in the film. And right. and there's it. There was a point to where the uh, the ship is going to take off, and all the pedals. It, it it was like a flower in the middle of a junkyard. That junkyard, I built that junkyard. I was brought in to build the junkyard that it landed in, because I specialized in junkyards. Um, by the way, that's a great phrase why. to have. I that's can't just, imagine why. By the way, that's just right. a great a phrase to have. I specialize in junkyards. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I mean. <laughs> you gotta do something for a living. So anyway, the thing is, is he he uh they couldn't get the, the arms to kind of go at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> they were like and um 
I said, uh, I get up there and, and, and he comes to me and he goes, you know, he, he says, I know that you can figure this out. And, and so between the two of us, what we figured, as opposed to them doing it mechanically, what we did is we filmed it slow. We filmed, we filmed it fast. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we felt, we sped the cameras up and, and we just held all the pedals up and we turned the cameras upside down and we cut the a string that was holding them all together and it did dropped. Right. But they dropped at the speed of gravity. <laughs> so so then we ran them all in reverse and it all came up all at once. Right. Right. And, and I, I gave him credit with uh, being able to direct and think at the same time, uh, which got a big laugh on set. And so at the end of the show, he gave me a, uh, a, a, uh, a painting i don't think i have it anymore I, I used to be in my office but he gave me a painting uh that in the writing in, in the painting it had writing in it but it says thanks to mick strawn best crew i ever had mick because i i also came back and was the one that uh did a lot of the electronics for the the kid when he's inside of the face oh really that's so i kept so I wasn't actually on the film. I just kept showing up on the film all the time. Oh, okay. Because I was no. But my sister was a production designer. Yeah, C.J. Strawn. Right, but but yeah. Mick Strawn just kept coming in. Uh, whenever I wasn't doing something else in town, I would come in and and fix this or fix that or fix that because it, it an awful lot of it was kind of and that was crossing union lines left and right. Yeah, yeah, I've been I've been trying to get my daughters to watch Star Kid because I'm like, this is right up your alley, girls. Isn't and they still I still haven't got them to sit down and watch it. Now I got extra reason to make them watch it. There you go. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't I never knew that was the name, the title of that movie though, the the Warrior <laughs> of Waverly <laughs> Place. Yeah, I, I that was what I always knew it 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 as uh was the but but the, I had heard in the long run, I had heard that it had been changed. Uh and and everybody else knows is it knows it as star kid all um, right man. well i don't even i don't even know if i was ever credited on that film i because... i didn't see your credit because i was looking for you I, I did notice at the time i was while you were talking i was watching the i was on imdb looking at star kid and the trailer was playing I'm like oh wait it says cj strong not mick <laughs> yeah yeah but so... <laughs> I trust, trust me between the director and my sister they hardly ever let me go go more than a couple of days without coming in. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't I, I know it's getting a little later and I want it, but I just do what this is gonna be a weird question coming from me, but what's the most famous thing you've worked on that you never got credit for? That you can talk about. Yeah, I, I know say, yeah, you a have you a talk lot. Yeah, you know what? There's a there's really a line there and 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 because there's so many NDAs, right? Yeah, I don't know where I, I don't know where that line crosses. I mean, the, the line the line kind of crosses the line at about two thousand and five that I started working primarily for Disney and stuff. Um, but um, I mean, I know that very few people ever know that I worked on Sid and Nancy. Uh, but well, you never of, talked to us about. How have you never talked to us about being doing Sid and Nancy? I built I built the Chelsea Hotel. What? The entire, 
the entire interior of the Chelsea Hotel was a set that I built for me. Mick, why did you never mention this? I don't know. Six, I got a lot of things. Five and a half years, man. <laughs> <laughs> I love the fact for Chad, it's like a betrayal. He's like, I know. Oh, you, you know, I, I was I was the construction coordinator on it, and and uh, oh, you know, that's a whole story. That's a you whole. You built thing. the fucking Chelsea. <laughs> But let's be brutally honest. We, well, I said his memory's pretty good. However, we were at a horror movie trivia contest. We picked him up. We went there. We got our asses kicked by a guy named Jake Gobold, who, by the way, deserved to kick our asses. And I just talked shit to him for two hours. And Mick and R.A. had the wrong damn year for Leatherface. <laughs> I, 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 I am going to admit that I don't, I, I don't know dates. I mean, because. No, but it's funny that the star and the production designer are in the room (laughs) and get their asses kicked by a ball. Hey, you know what? What's what's great though is if you averaged it out, it was right. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. (laughs) Because I think I was one year over and he was one year under, right? That's something like that. I don't. I did. I wasn't for sure either. That's what's got so screwy. Yeah, I know. Oh my God. Hey, what? Oh, the director said Nancy. What's his name? Alex Cox. Alex Cox. Yeah. Is he just as crazy as I think he is? As crazy as a loon. Good. In a good way. But Gary Oldman, oh my God. Gary Oldman was one of those people who, uh, he was such a not a method actor you know there hollywood would at the time was all method actors yeah and people would be walking around like behind the sets you know doing their lines and everything and i remember doing i remember that we did the uh um, the step the french steps Uh remember he was doing my way yeah yeah he's saying my way and he was coming down that set of steps that was supposed to be a french uh a, a, a French variety show, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. And it was completely blasted, right? And I had seen the actual pictures of the show, right? I'd actually seen the video of the show. There's a video of the show that he was emulating, right? Mm-hmm. And and the thing is, is he so he's doing the playback, the playback, and I ca- I kind of come in from the side because I was trying to get around to one of the other bars. And, I, and I'm just standing there and I'm just watching him at the top of the steps. And he's just this great, just looks like he's just completely up on smack and completely drunk. And go, I did my way. <laughs> <laughs> he gets to the bottom of the steps. Uh, 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 and then cut. So, um, so what do you guys think of that? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, it, it, and and I swear, it gave everybody that was standing there watching him. It gave them whiplash. I mean, it just it kind of made you go, <laughs> "What the fuck? How can he do that?" <laughs> oh my god! Well, that's was, actually that's a good story because it sounds yeah. like he's just not a method asshole. <laughs> yeah, no, he's he just he could turn it on and turn it off, and he knew exactly where he was going and, and and he was nice he was incredibly polite really sweet and uh you know i i mean an awful lot of americans if they had had to play that role with method being so strong at the time you know they would they would have had to have you know been an, a, an asshole and shit themselves i was know? like I, I bet you 10 bucks daniel day lewis is an insufferable dickhead 
<laughs> exactly. See what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we have kept you on for an hour and a half. Well, um, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to bore anybody for that. You did yeah, not bore not us. It was, it was amazing. This is what happens when we go out and have dinner. And this is the reason why I'm kind of sad. I'm not, I'm more than kind of sad that you're not coming to Scarefest because that means I won't see. Yeah. You. Cause I was looking forward to actually trying to come to that trivia this year. Cause I couldn't make it last year. Yeah. <laughs> well guys, uh, you know, if I can make it down that way, if I'm back in town, but I, I get a feeling I won't be. So I understand. Well, thank you so much. Hey, you I, are I, welcome anytime. And, and I love you. you know, I, I, I love you guys. I, I still have to say that, uh, I don't know why. I mean, this has still got to be one of my favorite podcasts. Oh, I don't. I mean, know. not to You're be just... on, not not to be on because you guys are insufferable. But I mean, <laughs> when I'm going down the road all the time, I'm listening to this all the time, unless you have guests on, which means that I won't be able to listen to this. Well, have, you ever <laughs> have you ever listened to any of your episodes? No, God, no. Oh, well, you should. Why would I do that? I don't know. I don't listen to us either. I'd say, yeah, no. Well, my entire thing, though, is is that, yeah, I I can't listen to myself. I I can't. I don't like the sound of my own voice. Mm -mm. You know? I I, I don't like the sound of your voice either, but I really don't like mine. (laughs) (laughs) We all agree that nobody likes the sound of Mick's voice. Yeah, there you go. I don't know. There's another idea, Mick. You could do an audio coloring book and just narrate it. In this part, you would be coloring a, a car wreck. Yes. I, I, I think I've had enough. <laughs> I'll see I you know. guys. I love you guys. Stop recording. Love you too, man. Love you. Bye, man. Bye. See you guys. Uh-huh.